Welcome to the Empire Files podcast. This is Abby Martin. This is the audio version of each episode of the Empire Files hosted on Telesaur English. You can watch every episode at theempirefiles.tv. Human rights organizations and activists are fighting a battle to expose Israel's oppression of Palestinians. There's another group in the country that's also attacked and imprisoned, those of African descent. A major rationale given for the existence of Israel is that it serves as a refuge for those who face the horrors of the Holocaust, part of making sure the words never again hold true. So it might come as a surprise to some that Israel is building prison camps for and legislating laws against people fleeing genocide today. When European countries tighten restrictions on refugees, it became increasingly difficult for asylum seekers to escape war and persecution. As camps filled up throughout the African continent, many started crossing the Sinai Desert into Israel. Today, there are about 45,000 African refugees inside Israel's borders, less than 0.5% of its population. But despite their minuscule size relative to the population, they're treated as a national crisis in Israeli society. Likud Member of Parliament, Mary Regev, stated from the stage of an anti-refugee rally, the Sudanese are a cancer in our body. Interior Minister Eli Yishai claimed that African refugees were raping many Israeli women, who do not complain because they don't want people to know they were also given AIDS. He also stated Israel belongs to the white man. An Israeli police station in Tel Aviv also officially honored May Golan, a leader of anti-African campaigns that encourage violent attacks. And this incitement does indeed work. Just in November 2016, an innocent Sudanese man was beaten to death while walking home from work. The racism runs so deep, babies are even attacked. One man tried to murder a one-year-old baby girl from Eritrea by stabbing her in the head. 92% of them are from just two countries, Sudan and Eritrea. Those escaping Sudan are fleeing ethnic cleansing and genocide in a vicious civil war. Ironically, the Israeli government has directly fueled this bloody conflict with weapons and more. Many of the refugees I spoke with told me they barely made it out alive. Similarly, refugees from Eritrea face dire conditions, one of the poorest, starvation-ridden countries in the world. Many Eritreans face mandatory conscription to slave-like conditions, imprisonment and execution by their government. Most who crossed the Egyptian border settled down in Tel Aviv or nearby cities, began working the lowest-paid jobs in restaurants and hotels, and started a new life for their families. While Israeli politicians and police try to create a picture of skyrocketing crime and chaos as a result of these neighbors, they amount to the same type of sensationalized manipulation we see from Trump and the alt-right media in America today. In fact, a report by Israeli parliament's own research center revealed that African refugees are dramatically less likely to be involved in crime than Israeli citizens. Where African refugees are most concentrated, they account for less than 1% of reported crime but the campaign of vitriol against them is fierce. Netanyahu even made it clear that African refugees pose a threat to the demographic of Israel as a white Jewish state. Israel is a small country and we do not have the geographic and demographic depths to absorb them. We will not allow Israel to be flooded with illegal migrants and terrorists. With so many politicians openly calling to expel these so-called infiltrators and whipping up xenophobic hatred against refugees, we went to an anti-refugee rally in Tel Aviv, where demonstrators burned an effigy of the mayor for allowing the children of refugees into local schools. And I'm a member of the Labour Party, and I consider myself left-wing. 
and I support the struggle because I think it's fair and it's just. They've come here with their practices and with their multitude of problems, and this cannot coexist. They must be removed en masse from here. What are you doing I'm here, traveling around. You present somebody? Huh? You cannot get inside. What is that sign? What is that? It says that he has no permission to bypass a non-permitted way of staying. It's not, kids are not visible. So you want them to just stop breeding, yeah? This is not what I'm saying. If you stay inside the country in the rightful way, kids are not meant to bypass that. This Wait, is what we're but saying. But doesn't use a condom mean literally stop having sex? Like stop giving birth? I don't talk about condoms. Are you saying do not want a child with a And their lives have become actually a hell. Why is that? There isn't because of all the illegal, illegal uh, immigrants. What are they doing to make your life hell? Crime, uh, noise. Been smuggled through the border and trying to get a better job. Well, a lot and of, then yeah. they're saying that they are refugee. They are low, defined as refugee. Do you think that, but I mean, isn't Eritrea like one of the worst countries for human rights in the no, world? Actually, Eritrea is a, is a beautiful country. It is? Yeah. I came here to support their uh, struggle. To support the struggle of... Against the Eritrea, the struggle against Eritrea to take them back home to Mother Africa. Why have, do they have to, to make our life so miserable? We have enough problems with Arabs and... These struggles against those people, it's not about racism, or it's not about hateness. It's just about that it's not their home, they should go to any country in Africa. It's not racism because I don't see them as inferior to me. Racism is when I see someone inferior. I don't see them inferior, but I see them as criminals. And these infiltrators are filthy, and they bring us only, you know, only trouble. So what have they done? Tell me about the what they've done to you. You said that they look. look they've never look. I've never passed any uh, violence by them. But I especially train on uh, on self-defense. I like I hit boards, trees. Some trainer hits me. To, to, to yeah, 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 yeah. Out, yeah. So because I know that some someday I will pa I will pass. Uh, Violence by them. They have to the go government. back to the country. They right. made enough money. Everyone who worked here can be a millionaire there in, in Eritrea. Go to back to your country. Well, how, we, do you, how do you do that? Though? How do you do it? Right. We, we take them with chains and put them on, on boats. The racist opinions at this rally are not fringe. According to a 2012 study by the Israeli Democracy Institute for Peace, a stunning 52% of Israelis concur that African migrants are a cancer. Furthermore, the study revealed that a shocking 33% of Israelis condone anti-migrant violence. This racism is also codified into Israeli law. The refugees they target are legitimate asylum seekers, having submitted proper paperwork proving they are fleeing execution based on political persecution. In the rest of the world, over 80% of Eritrean asylum seekers are granted asylum. In Israel, less than 1% have been approved. In the past six years, only four Eritreans and zero Sudanese have had their asylum cases approved. Instead, Israel has rounded up and deported thousands of them, even sending them back with the knowledge they could be killed upon return. 
This heartless act is a clear violation of international law under the UN Refugee Convention. As public pressure mounted, in 2013, Israel completed a massive 140-mile fence along the entirety of its border with Egypt in the attempt to stop African migration. And it worked. Now the trip is so dangerous, very few attempt it. They use the Prevention of Infiltration Law, which allows for the detention of migrants for up to one year without trial. While once permitted, African refugees are now forbidden to either work or live in Israel's major cities. Today, the Israeli government has an ultimatum to African refugees. Leave now, even offering a one-way plane ticket home or to another undisclosed African country in $3,500 cash, or go to prison. With most choosing Israeli prison over certain death after deportation, Israel has built a massive prison camp in the middle of the Negev desert. I visited what even some Israeli officials have called a concentration camp on the outskirts of Israel, in the middle of the blazing desert. On one side, the Holot camp, where African asylum seekers are sent after being rounded up in Israel's cities. The camp houses over 2,000 people at a time and sentences them to one-year intervals in inhumane conditions. Men only are rounded up to be detained in these centers. They're separated from their spouses and children. Across the street is Saharan imprison, where they're sent if they violate curfew or refuse to self-deport upon release. While not technically incarcerated at Halat, they are restricted to this tightly packed camp. It is the largest prison of its kind in any industrialized nation. The Israeli government's stated intention is to arrest and send all African asylum seekers to this camp, deport them to the nightmare they escaped, and prevent any new refugees from entering. If the refugees protest, which they have many times, their makeshift encampments are bulldozed and they are attacked by militarized police forces. I visited this camp and spoke to Ali, a Sudanese refugee in prison there. And in 2003, when the war broke down in the four, um, my village was completely burned. Uh, and militia moved down. A lot of us flee the persecution and genocide from the four. Um, as um, one of the victims that I escaped from the four, I make my way to southern Sudan first. Uh, I stayed for a couple of uh, years there. Then uh, been there until 2011, after um, um, Southern Sudan became the state from uh, Sudan as an independent uh, nation. Um, there was a lot of problems there. Um, I was like attending university, and then uh, my university was, I mean, like uh, completely shift from uh, Southern Sudan to North. Mm -hmm. And as an, an active from Darfur, um, I was uh, prosecuted, put in prison for long times. So, uh, uh, if I were there, I would be in prison for, for life. Um, that's why I also escaped from Khartoum uh, to, uh, to Egypt. Sudanese government and Egyptian, they work in the corporate to get those people back to Sudan. Uh, immediately, you will be in prison. Some of us chose to come uh, to Israel, not, not meaning that we wanted to stay, but we are escaping from our life. Uh, we saw that Israel is one that we can survive uh, as the country that experienced the genocide in its history. Uh, unfortunately, that wasn't a uh, good sort. I arrived in the 
late 2011 in, in Israel. I've been in this prison, which is a, a Zahronim prison for a month. Why were you in prison? You were a refugee. Um, but um, unfortunately, yes, but that, that wasn't the idea of uh, Israeli people. Yeah. That's only the idea that we know why we are coming. But they didn't give us the time to tell them that we are refugees, we are asylum seekers, we are seeking um, asylum for our life. Um, we've been in prison. Today is also we're still yeah. in prison. I mean, they think that we are infiltrators or migrant workers. And that is how we are in prison. And there is literally there is always going on. Like today in the morning, like there is like training or like, like artillery bomb. Everybody is like in the morning. Nobody is going to sleep sometimes. It's really hard. Hard for really someone hard. who just escaped a, escape. an insane war yeah. zone. What did you feel when you got that paper saying you were moving here? They built first, they said, like, you have to be in a lot in, like, in definite time. So everybody came to prison. First people they attend here, they stayed more than two years. Yeah, because because the time, um, like they said, you're going to be in Kolot indefinite or you have to sign volunteers to leave the country. And then um, the people who cannot go anyway, they just accepted and they came to prison. You were saying that there was a market out here that was demolished. It is the food inside. It's really bad. I mean, that's food is really hard. It's really bad. Uh, a lot of people, they try to uh, bring things from Algeria, which is 60 kilometers away from here, and to cook, and to make their life as to survive. But um, still, uh, they demolish uh, like, like small um, marketing that people just only want to survive. Why would they demolish you guys just cooking um, market food? I mean, they said you have to make African asylum seekers' life hard, so that they voluntarily leave the country, and 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 the ministry of the minister, I mean Ali Shai, officially said, uh, I, you, we have to uh, make their life miserable, so that voluntarily leave the country. Anyway, like for me, yeah, I'm not gonna go anyway. Feed me whatever you want. I mean, like that's because I cannot go to genocide. Right. As long as you're not committing genocide, I want to stay in prison, I'm here. While many Israelis claim it's about illegal immigration, not their African descent, there are around 80,000 European immigrants living in Israel illegally who face no such repercussions. And it's not just black refugees who are oppressed in Israel, but black Jewish Israeli citizens. Israeli public relations often touts its inclusion of Ethiopian Jews as proof the country isn't racist at all, but rather diverse and multinational. However, their actual status in society tells a different story. Despite existing as an official state since 1948, Israel didn't start welcoming Ethiopian Jews to settle on its borders until 1973, with a decree from a Sephardic rabbi who said they were now truly Jewish. This created the incentive for tens of thousands of Ethiopian Jews to flee to Israel to escape persecution and war in their home country. Throughout the 80s and 90s, Israel carried out rescue operations that flew thousands of Jews out of Ethiopia. But the decree that they were truly Jewish wasn't enough for Israeli society. 
Ethiopian Jewish children were sent to Orthodox boarding schools because Israeli rabbinic authorities decided they were not Jewish enough and thought their parents too primitive to know what a so-called proper Jewish upbringing should be. Today, there are around 140,000 Ethiopian Jewish citizens living in Israel, less than 2% of the population. Similar to Palestinian citizens of Israel, this minority group is marginalized and segregated. Ethiopian immigrants suffer exponentially higher poverty and unemployment rates than that of native Israelis. Over 50% of all Ethiopian families live below the poverty line. A 2012 report by the Israeli Ministry of Immigrant Absorption found that 41% of Ethiopian adults who had migrated to Israel in the last decade were unemployed. On average, they earn one-third less than Israeli citizens. The Israeli government doesn't only have laws institutionalizing this discrimination against African Jews and refugees. It also participates in eugenics programs against them. Despite denying it for years, in 2013, the Israeli government admitted it had been administering Deprovera birth control injections to Ethiopian women without their consent in an utter violation of personal sovereignty. A journalist who interviewed 35 Ethiopian immigrants found they were threatened into taking the shots while being held in transit camps. One Ethiopian woman named Emma Wyish said, we said we won't have the shot. They told us if you don't, you won't go to Israel. You won't get aid or medical care. We were afraid. We didn't have a choice. So we accepted the injection. It was only with their permission that we were allowed to leave. Some were even told unless they received the injection, they would be barred from the country forever. The birth rate among Israel's Ethiopian population dropped a stunning 50% from 2002 to 2012 as a result of this eugenics program. But that's not all. There are even gangs that exist to attack Israelis in interracial relationships. A very revealing poll found that only 25% of white Israelis would permit a child to marry an Ethiopian Jew. Even less would live in a majority Ethiopian neighborhood. Other than Palestinians, of course, Ethiopian Jews are the most vulnerable to police abuse and incarceration. They make up just 2% of the population, yet comprise over 20% of the youth prison population. In 2016, the Israeli police commissioner told the Israeli Bar Association that it was natural to suspect Ethiopian Jews of criminality. We were in Tel Aviv in the aftermath of the announcement and followed an impromptu rally in front of the police commissioner's house. One of the rally organizers was Tehune Maharat, whose cousin was murdered in a suspected hate crime by Israeli police. What he's saying is, beat them, arrest them, berate them, treat them in the most humiliating and racist manner. Why? Because they're black, because they're at the wrong place at the wrong time. And apparently, they're also the wrong color, according to him. Even citizens, residents, my neighbors, people that are part of me, people I grew up with. I've lived here for most of my life. True, I was not born here, but I grew up and studied here. And suddenly, you feel that it isn't your home, because people make you feel that way, because people treat you that way. Whether it's the health ministry, that injected genocide shots into our mothers to reduce their birth rate. It's a plain statement by the health ministry that the Ethiopian community must be shrunk as much as possible. I don't know their motives, but it's definitely not a noble one. They definitely don't care about us. I will go even further. It reminds me of the Holocaust era. There, they also tried to reduce the birth rate and establish ghettos. Just as here in Israel, there are Ethiopian ghettos, whole neighborhoods of just Ethiopians, specific areas where only Ethiopians live. When new immigrants arrive, they are immediately moved there. Why? For what reason? Why treat us that way? To supposedly fence us in. 
as if we're lepers, as if we're pests. It's hard not to think that it's all the result of skin color, for racist reasons, nothing else. There's no other way to explain it. There's also the issue of education. There are schools with whole classes of Ethiopians, Ethiopians only. Why? After all, the state espoused equality, justice, and multiculturalism of creating a society of Jews from all over the world. But in practice, it doesn't happen. There are schools with classes of Ethiopians only. There are kindergartens that are completely segregated. A kindergarten for Ethiopians and a kindergarten for whites. Why? There are Ethiopian folks who were born here and are still under the auspices of the Ministry of Immigrant Absorption. We were born here. We are Israelis. It is ours as much as it is others. So why treat us like immigrants? It's the black reality in a white country. That's it. A black person can understand what another black person experiences. A white person cannot understand what a black person experiences because they aren't there. And sometimes we feel like it's us alone. That this struggle is only made up of black people, Ethiopians. That's wrong. It should be taken up by all of Israeli society. Because the entire Israeli society, especially at its highest levels, is a racist society. It's a society with an outlook that, although it is concealed in many ways, it is very rooted in racism. No question. We have to admit it. And the statements by the chief of police yesterday only prove... Truly exemplifying the status of black Jews in Israel, our interview was interrupted by a white Israeli man who overheard and felt entitled to tell her she was wrong. First of all, I will come in. I will tell her. I have many Ethiopian friends. I was a youth counselor for Ethiopian youth. I also have Ethiopian friends. Everyone loves you. Are you black? Huh? Are you black? I taught... Are you black? I taught... You're not black. You cannot say what I feel. You are mistaken, sir. There are so many areas in which the Ethiopian community faces racism. As I mentioned, there's a health ministry with the genocide shots. There's also that we donate blood and they throw out our blood. Our blood has no worth. It's been happening for more than 20 years. Every time we donate our blood, it is thrown in the garbage. Just like that. Why? Apparently our blood isn't good enough. Our blood is different than others. It's different than that of the white race. But apparently, it is only good for wars, because we are good for the army. We are fighters. We are the first to enter battle. But to donate our blood, that's not good. That's for the garbage. We're not worthy. We are worth less than, I don't know. Sometimes it's difficult for me to accept it, but that's the reality. But this is me. I cannot escape it. This is me. I'm proud of who I am. This is mine. What is here is mine, and no one can take it away from me. And this is why I'm fighting. From warehousing asylum seekers to discriminating against its own citizens, the treatment of black people in Israel reveals something very important about the Zionist project, that it's not just about creating a Jewish-only state, but one that is also based on white supremacy. And more recognizing that the struggle for black lives and Palestinian lives are linked together. Thank you for listening to the Empire Files podcast. If you want to subscribe to our mailing list, please sign up at TheEmpireFiles.tv. We want this show to be a resource for those fighting against empire both here and abroad. Let us know what you think on social media. You can find us on Twitter at Empire Files and Facebook at The Empire Files.